Welcome to All Things Pilates, Season 4. Though we can't know exactly what Joseph Pilates was thinking or feeling towards the end of his life, we do know he wanted the entire world to practice Contrology, and that want has certainly become a reality. Hello everyone, I'm Darian Gold, and here on All Things Pilates, we discuss the man, the method, and how his genius continues to influence and inspire. If someone wants to learn the Pilates method, he or she most likely will sign up for a classical or modern Pilates class. However, before there was classical or modern, there was just Joe's method, which he called Contrology. But for some, his work is also referred to as Archival Pilates. This term means that Joe's exercises are taught and practiced exactly as he documented and demonstrated. But does anyone own these archival exercises? Well, no, they do not. If someone were to search out a studio that offers archival Pilates lessons, taught on replicas of Joe's apparatus designs, they might find a Pilates teacher like Christina Gadar, our guest today. Christina is a second-generation Pilates instructor who not only teaches Joe's work at her own space, Gadar Pilates in Sarasota, Florida, but after almost two years of research, has created an online educational platform called Open Access Pilates Archives. It's her mission to introduce Joe's original work to Pilates instructors and enthusiasts by demonstrating the archival method, and she also includes her own notations. Christina is the author of six books and the creator of the Pilates Animals Workout for Children. Hello, Christina. Thank you for your time today. Hi, Darian. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. And um, we got the chance to meet in person in Sarasota a while back. So, so yes, this we feels did. very cool for me. Yes, yes. Before we talk about your current project, Open Access Pilates Archives, who initially introduced you to the Pilates method? My first teacher was Barbara Harris when I was at the Boston Ballet School. I grew up in Massachusetts. I was a dancer. And my first introduction were classes, mat classes, taught by Barbara Harris. She was working with the Boston Ballet Company. At that time, uh, I think I was in the second to top level class in the school or the top level, but I was near, near the top and they wanted to introduce the Pilates method to students that were near graduating. So it was great because it really was something I took with me as I was a professional dancer. Anytime I was injured, it was something I fell back on. But I have to admit it, in the beginning, I didn't 
value it as much as I should have. My focus was so much on dance. So sometimes I felt like I was being gypped of point class when it was substituted with Pilates class once a week. I've um, heard that before. Yeah, yeah. From other when ballerinas. You, you just, you take for granted that your body's going to bounce back after injuries. And so you don't see the value in it as much, even though it, it shouldn't even be about injuries to get us uh, interested. For me, is being very flexible. I really needed Pilates to pull me into my center and to help me um, have better you know, balance and control and strength. The reason I really did Pilates was for strength. And then more recently, I would say within maybe the past year and a half, I reached out to Barbara because I was curious. Uh, you know, I was certified by Romana Krasinovska, but I wanted to find out how was she trained? What was the training of my very first Pilates teacher? And uh, she, she told me that she studied with, maybe you'll remember the name, uh, he is, uh, I think, Alan, Alan, something. Alan Herdman. Yes, Alan Herdman in London. So that was really interesting because, uh, you know, for a while I was kind of conditioned to believe that there was really only one type of Pilates. <laughs> and then here I was finding out that my very first Pilates teacher who taught everything much like I had learned with Romana. Um, we only did mat work though at the time, but it, there, there really was no huge difference. It was something that helped me through many injuries. I broke my feet four times total through my dance career. I broke my, you know, many of those three or four of the, no, maybe three of those times was as a student, broke my foot and then I broke my leg, my fibula and sprained my ankle uh, that fifth time due to muscle imbalances in my feet. So Were you jumping? Sometimes it always came toward the end of class or the end of rehearsal. And if I was really tired, I remember one was a rehearsal as a student, but as an older student, and I was really, really tired and I wanted to get some water and the person running the rehearsal wouldn't let me. And I just felt so exhausted and I felt like I, 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 I just got just exhausted and I, and I broke it. Always the fifth metatarsal, so it was always rolling out. And one time was awful. It was basically after class and I was walking to my car. It was probably on a summer off in between seasons. And I stepped off the curb into the parking lot and broke my foot. So at least, you know, the other times it was, you know, a little more dramatic in a class, not just stepping off a curb. But, <laughs> yes. but I, I still am very careful. I realize that that is my, that is, you know, my quote unquote Achilles heel is the strength in my feet. And I'm very careful because it is very easy for me to roll out on my ankles. And I'm always doing, whether it's the two by four, the footwork, Anything I can do, I credit Pilates for keeping me, knock on wood, da, 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 knock on wood, that I have been able to avoid those types of injuries. Now, have I stepped down and, and, and turned my ankle since then? Yes, but I didn't break anything. And if it had been earlier, I would have broken that fifth metatarsal. So I'm grateful that I've developed more strength in my feet and that's where we start, you know, with their footwork. And Joseph Pilates talked about that as our foundation. So anyway, it's very interesting to find out that my first teacher came from a different lineage than I had expected. Um, I also used uh, VHS tape from Physical Mind on the mat work <laughs> when I was a professional to help refresh my memory of the exercises. 
And then when I came to Sarasota in 1996, I danced here for four seasons. And despite all of those fractures, I came back. I always said a broken bone will never stop my dance career. I'm deathly afraid of surgeries. I've never had a surgery, thank goodness. And I thought, well, if I had an injury that required surgery, I would retire. Um, but that's not what made me retire. It was tendinitis, Achilles tendinitis, the most frustrating type of injury I ever encountered. Something that whether you take time off or you're working on, you know, and you're actively working, it doesn't matter. Your, your body decides that it's going to flare up or not. My body did not obey my will anymore. It was, it was draining my energy to deal with that injury. So I found myself gravitating more and more uh, to my local Pilates studio. And when I was in, in rehearsal, I would be doing Pilates on the mat on the side of the studio. It, it just became almost a refuge for me, to, a way for me to know that I can still stay active and work mindfully, um, even though what I wanted to do in point was not working out the way I had hoped. So it was a wonderful uh, transition of careers. And then I did the last 12 day intensive that Romana offered outside of New York. It was in Fort Myers, Florida, which is an hour and a half drive from Sarasota. And I spent 12 days there with Rocky, Rocky Roxanne Richards Huang, and she was spectacular. And we covered that manual from cover to cover. She was the only person who gave us the basic, intermediate, and advanced seminars in those 12 days. So we, we did, there was no assuming that one teacher covered something. It was, it was like very, very thorough, very exhausting, but I was fresh from dancing. So I was used to my mind staying awake for those that long day, not just my body, but I was able to concentrate like that uh, for those long days. And then I just would drive after that, I would drive back and forth between Sarasota and Fort Myers every day, three hour total drive every day, spend eight hours there. And I went through that program very, very fast. And I went to, so that was in June of uh, 2000 that I did the 12 day intensive. And by October, 2000, I was in New York City, uh, staying with Daria. Uh, introducing myself to Romana, uh, letting her know that I was ready to take my advanced exam after having Juanita Lopez come to Fort Myers to test me out on my basic. And Romana's daughter, Shari, tested me on my intermediate. And when I got to New York, Romana said, how is it possible that you could be testing for your advanced exam? And I have never seen you before because this was very new. And I really had to prove myself and they gave me, uh, I, re I remember Daria saying that you're getting like the toughest, pickiest clients there because she was really pushing. Let everyone know who Daria is, those who do not. Yes, Daria is Romana's granddaughter. So after Joseph Pilates passed away, Romana, who was one of Joseph Pilates' students and protégés, she continued the business alongside Clara Pilates. And then after Clara Pilates passed away, Romana continued uh, to run the Pilates studio with various business partners, but including 
always uh, alongside her daughter, Shari Mejia Santo. And uh, later on, Romana's granddaughter, uh, one of her granddaughters, Daria, decided that this was something she also wanted to make as a part of her lifetime work. So um, after Romana's passing, the, the business continued through uh, Shari and Daria, who have their headquarters now in Fort Lauderdale. So a little farther away, it's a three hour drive one way, but I'm very fortunate that I have I have uh, that that close proximity and I I work with uh, Shari and Daria once to two two times a week usually on Zoom. So we usually do one to chair and reformer and it's it's been wonderful. You have their support with this current project that you're doing. Yes. So one of the aspects of this project, in addition to creating this archive of Joe's documented exercises in my own body, is also sharing the original apparatuses uh, with the Pilates community, because I find that to be very interesting, too. And uh, Daria and Shari have the original pedipole uh, that uh, Romana had at Drago's gym in New York City. And so one of the more recent times I was there in person, I asked Daria if I could feature it. And so I took some pictures and she gave me her blessing to share those photos on my project. And now, uh, Romana's youngest granddaughter, Isabella, or Bella for short, she is also a Pilates teacher. I got to meet her there as well. So it really has become a true, it's real family, family business. Um, and I know that um, they're very busy, but they do a little bit on social media. So they are aware and supportive of, of the project that I'm doing. And the next step that I've been working on for the past few months, and likely it will be a lot more months to go, will be to duplicate a lot of these videos and take these archives and have them in another place outside social media. So I'm planning on putting them, or work, I'm working with my web developer, and I'm creating a all of the, these archives in one place. So let's say instead of scrolling through my Instagram feed to see, you know, different original apparatuses or to find an exercise, the idea is that you'll be able to go to my website and you'll go through a pathway. Let's say I want to review my archival rollback bar exercises. Then I can click on the archival exercises uh, tab and then from there I can see maybe a list of 30 different apparatuses and then I can go to the Cadillac rollback bar and from there I'll be able to see a list of exercises and go through that for those it's a lot of work yeah oh, my goodness absolutely in the opening I did briefly describe what archival Pilates is because there I think that that the idea of archival certainly is a lot more on the radar in the Pilates community. Can you say more about it? Sure. I don't feel like I chose this path. I didn't want to become some sort of, I don't consider myself an expert, but I didn't think that that was going to be a calling uh, uh, of some sort, but it found me. I'm very much uh, Romana's trained like you. I was trained by Romana. So I'm well-versed in what's considered classical Pilates, but I've always been interested in the history of Pilates, 
the, the other teachers that Joseph Pilates trained in addition to their equipment. And the thing about Joseph Pilates that I find incredible is how prolific he was at documenting his work. So the exercises that I consider archival are the exercises that Joseph Pilates documented on film, in written instructions, in photographs, in advertisements, and there is a lot of material there. Um, I did try at a certain point to share some of that, the original, but I ended up finding that the best way, and we can talk about that maybe later, but the best way was for me to share it in my own body. And that way I could continue sharing it without receiving any kind of uh, obstacles put in my way. One of the things that I thought I would mention is that sometimes I hear people say um, that the archives and, you know, why do you want to look at old photographs? That's the old way. And like, as if it doesn't have any value. And that's hard to hear as someone who is like an avid, like vintage enthusiast. I have a vintage dress collection that goes back to the 20s. And my favorite decade is the 50s. And I have, you know, like I collect Pyrex. Like I, I love, and then also vintage exercise equipment and Pilates accessories and things like that. So to hear that is kind of like, it, it hurts my heart because I see a lot of value in that. To me, it would be the equivalent of saying, well, you know, I don't think kids should take history as one of their courses in school. Let's just focus on science and mathematics and languages and forget about history. That's just, those are just old stories and old photographs and old documents. Obviously, that's, that's not what we think of in the academic world. So why would that become an argument in the Pilates world? I think it has tremendous value. And I think that, that those are our roots. We don't need to stay there if, if you're a teacher who likes to, to have a different approach. But at least having the knowledge of where it began and how it began, I think it's extremely educational. I don't think you can help but improve as a teacher if you know know those things. Yeah, I think that of archival Pilates exercises as exercises that were documented by Joe, and I, I think they are very valuable. For those listening who do teach the Pilates method, and I will broaden it by saying, or widen it by saying classical and modern, can you give us an example of an exercise either on the mat and or the apparatus that is taught differently for the most part now than when Joe originally practiced and taught it himself? I think on the mat, it would be the very first exercise, the hundred. I had noticed this a while back, but I didn't really investigate it further um, until I started this project. But when we read Return to Life, he is very clear about taking in an in-breath as you get into the shape of the hundred, but the pumping actually starts on the out-breath. So you exhale two, three, four, five, inhale two, three, four, ten, go up to as many as ten sets. And then when you finish on the in-breath on that last one hundredth count, let's say if you do all ten, then you exhale and lie flat. 
to me, that makes so much sense because the breathing, the inhalation to get into position, the exhale to start the actual pumping, finishing on the in-breath, holding that shape a moment and deepening, and then exhale to lie flat. It, it just flows. So it's not just the exercise, but it's the transition, the breath into it and out of it. To me, it makes so much sense. And and that one, I, I... That's consistent with backstroke and coordination. Backstroke and coordination, yeah. Well, the breathing is so specific there. Exactly, right. You inhale for coordination to press out, hold the breath, open, close, exhale, exhale, right. But the thing is, too, I thought to myself, well, I'm definitely not the first person to notice this, but why is it not taught this way? Um, I reached out to a colleague of mine who... Uh, goes to the New York Public Library often when she's in New York City. And I know she was studying a lot of uh, the Corolla Trier archives. And I asked her, do you see anything there? And she said, look, these are Corolla's notes on the mat work. And she says the exact same thing. And then I found an article where Corolla Trier was was describing the hundred and it was the same thing inhale to get into position exhale for the first set of pumps so that was a little bit more validation like no i'm not going crazy or as someone who has written about movement with my pilates books i know that it can be very challenging to write you know to use words to describe moving your body so i thought well maybe this was like an editing error in his book maybe that's the reason for why it didn't trickle down through um, some of the, the the teachers of our generation now. But when I saw that Corolla also documented the breathing for the hundred the same way, then I thought, okay, now I feel confident that I can continue to teach it that way and, and practice it that way. So that's something that it's one of the rare instances where I found an archival exercise that is so vastly different that I've decided that I needed to pick one or the other, not to confuse my students. So that is the only way I teach the 100 now. And I'm not the person who discovered that. I know that when I posted about it, there were other teachers who commented who said, yes, I've been teaching it that way for many years. And I thought, okay, good. This is. Do you recall if Romana taught it to you that way? No, Ramana did not teach it that way. She's taught it starting on the in-breath for the first, right. you know, the first right. five So that's different. And I actually, uh, the next time I'm in Fort Lauderdale in person, I'd like to talk to Shari about it and, and see what her thoughts are. And I, I know that that's not going to change the way they teach it, but I just thought I would bring it up. You know, I thought that might be something interesting. It'd be interesting to to hear the reaction because it's it's shockingly different, I think, to change the breathing like that. And after 22 years of teaching it, starting the first set of pumps on the in-breath, I'm still now over a year later of teaching it this quote unquote new back to the new way or, or the archival way. I still have to check myself as I'm cueing because my automatic pilot is to start cueing in two, three, four, five, and I have to check myself a lot. But my students have been very receptive to, to little nuances like that. Sometimes um, an exercise like the one leg circle, I find it so different that 
I, I teach it both ways, but luckily Ramana called her single leg circles. Joe has one leg circle. So I actually think of those as two sister exercises. They're, they're different. They're their own exercises. So sometimes I'll say to my student today, let's do Joe's one leg circle or in that, and then next time we'll do Ramana's single leg circles. So sometimes I, I, I like to, to educate my students that this one came through Ramana, one came from Joe. They're both very valuable. So I would say outside of the hundred, I, I tend to keep both the classical and the archival repertoire in my teaching and in my own practice. Do you recall Romana speaking about uh, lake, single lake circles? Do you remember her saying shoulder, ankle, shoulder? Yes, I, I remember her. I think that she she wanted to create from my understanding was more stability in the torso. So, and that takes a lot of strength to like button your belly button into the mat and only move your leg. And to do that, you do keep your leg within the frame of your body, shoulder to shoulder, hip to hip. I also remember her emphasizing that the leg doesn't go across the body to start, but that you deepen your powerhouse to lift the leg a little higher to start and then go across. So those are little nuances that I, when I teach it Romana's way that I really enjoy. And then my students also enjoy the one leg circle because of the twist, you know, the stretch in your waist. Did you allow that hip to come off? It's like, really, you're letting me move my hip after all this time, but maybe that could be considered more of an advanced progression because- For sure, it's a little precarious on the back. Yeah. For sure. Yes. What about on the apparatus? Can you think of an exercise? Yeah, actually, um, one that, that comes to mind because I just posted about it today is the rolling stomach massage on the Cadillac where your knees are hooked over the rollback bar, you're lying supine and you've got your legs hooked over it like a, like a circus act, right? And Ramana taught that with the rollback bar and holding the pipes overhead and with the ankles crossed so that there was less likelihood of letting the bar fly out. The way it was archived on film with Joseph Pilates teaching Romana was a little different. It was taught on the, in the film, it was taught on the massage table, which was kind of like a half Cadillac bed. And instead of holding the pipes overhead, she held these side loops on this outer edges of the of the bed. I don't have those side loops there, so I hold the table strap, which works just as fine, I believe. But the thing that she did that was really different was um, he had her hook her legs over the airplane board. So I tried to document this exercise well over a year ago, and I did it with the rollback bar because I thought, there must be a reason why Ramana changed it to the rollback bar because I hate it with the airplane board. It's like digging into my legs. It's uncomfortable. And so I just left it at that. And then I kind of tucked, tucked it away, put it in a shelf. And then I just recently revisited it a year later. And I thought to myself, you know, after over a year of doing this, this project you know, publicly, I've been working on, I think, this for quite a long time prior. There has to be, what I normally find is that it's not that I don't like the exercise because it's bad. It's because I am missing some key part of the exercise. There's something that I'm not getting. And what is it? Let me just 
release myself from having like this 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 ego like it doesn't work for me therefore it's not good and that there's a reason it's archival right that's where that would come in instead of looking at the film that i also have on my phone where it's really tiny i went to my desktop where i could see it bigger and i was studying it over and over and over and i was looking at the way joe put the board underneath romana's thighs and i realized that I had the flat part that has the loops pressing up against my calves and it should have been pressing up against the back of my thighs. So just turning it so that the, the hooks of the airplane board are not facing away from me, they're facing toward me. And then I could put my knees over the two indentations and then the feet were actually not crossed, they were together. We can see Joe spotting her two feet with one hand. And now I love the exercise. I think it makes sense, but it was that little, little detail of positioning the board that made, that was the key, key change for me. So I would definitely teach this with a rollback bar and with the airplane board. I do find it nicer to keep the feet together just because it's more even in the body, but I don't mind it with the hands down. I find that helps keep tension out of the neck or with the hands on the pipes, you can find that kind of two-way stretch, the opposing lines of energy. So as with anything, you know, we can work with many teachers and some teachers we, we really gravitate toward more than others, but even the teachers that we might not think are the best, I guarantee you, we can always learn from our te any teacher. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, the same thing, I can learn from all of these exercises and then I can pick, I can kind of cherry pick, you know, I learn about it, I document it the way it was done in archives. And then I could say, okay, so for this student, it would be great if she tried it with the airplane board and this student much better with the rollback bar. And it just gives me a lot more in my pocket to pull out depending exactly. on teaching. Exactly. You are right now posting regularly almost every day right every single On, day that's unbelievable it's exhausting and you're having your house renovated yeah. and you have two kids and a husband and how many animals seven. <laughs> oh my goodness got two great danes a chihuahua a pug terrier mix two mischievous cats and a guinea pig unbelievable christina yes that's good been... job really really you're posting every day on Instagram and you have thousands and thousands of followers. And I was curious, you get a lot of these teachers, I'm assuming, leaving you comments. What kind of comments are resonating with you or are standing out in terms of how you are demonstrating Joe's work and how it's perhaps impacting their own teaching? I think the feedback has been really positive and I don't think I would be able to continue at this pace. I've never thought of myself as someone who needed to post daily on social media. Uh, I initially, I mean, I have a love-hate uh, relationship with social media. There are a lot of things I dislike, but I also have to um, recognize that it has given me a voice and I'm very grateful to, for that. And the only reason I continue is because I have uh, the support of so many Pilates teachers around the globe um, who, who I don't know if they realize it, but just saying 
just a, just as even if it's a thank you or I appreciate the time or I appreciate the details, because initially I wasn't sure, you know, I wasn't sure if I was going to be allowed to do this. I had tried to share, you know, some of the original photos and films, and and there was pushback there, and I didn't want to. Why was there pushback? Well, some examples were that I had, uh, I had put a, a picture of three of my own uh, personal vintage Pilates books. One was Joe's Return to Life, the second edition. Uh, the other was Corolla Trier's Exercise, What It Is, What It Does, which she wrote for kids. And I love, I love both of these books. And then I also included a, a book that Romana co-authored, which has many photos and still photos from films uh, from the archives. So I had taken a picture of three of those three books all side by side. The book covers only, and then I, I wrote a caption, very harmless, I thought, saying, part of my prize Pilates collection, books by Joe, Carola, and Romana. And that actually got reported and taken down because I, I believe uh, another person who co-authored the book with Romana didn't want me showing the cover. I thought it was fair, fair use. That's what I, I, I believe that that usually is okay. And then there were other instances where I was in the Fort, Fort Lauderdale headquarters taking a picture with one of my master teachers. And in the background, there were photos, the photos we see in almost every studio of the, uh, the charts of Joe on the reformer. And the pictures in the background were just those, and they were very blurry because the focus was on my teacher and I, and I was asked to take that down. Who took those photos? Well, those are Joe's photos, so I don't know who took them. I know that one of his photographers was one of his students, George Hoenigan Hune, and that's been something that I learned uh, through this project, was, which was fascinating. But, you know, sometimes I think the photos probably you know, they belong, the rights belong to the photographers, what I would imagine. I would, I would believe they, they need to be registered, but if they weren't, um, and they were, you know, shared publicly and distributed and published in that. They're in public domain now. That's, that's what I think. But rather than enter into a back and forth with, with those that believe that they are kind of this gatekeeper to the archival Pilates world, I thought, what would be a better way of me spending my time that I would enjoy? And it, it didn't come, it didn't come right away. I will say that the, what, one of the final straws for me was when I used a photo of Joe on the junior reformer, which he made for home use. And on that, in that photo, he had a little boy, maybe four or five years old, sitting, kind of straddling his waist. And it was the most adorable photo. And it was something that he published and distributed in an advertisement and in instructions for his junior reformer that he sold. So I thought this should be safe. And I used it to advertise a Zoom benefit class with 100% of the proceeds going to, uh, the, to benefit uh, the pediatric cancer fund that was established in honor of a young student of mine who I, know, I knew him since he was a baby, like since he was in his mom's womb, I've known his mother. And um, he was a close friend of my kids. 
and, and he had leukemia. And uh, when he was uh, diagnosed at age seven, he started doing Pilates with me to you know, help with the muscle weakness from chemo. And, um, and he passed away when he was nine. And it was around the time of what would have been his birthday. So I wanted to do something where I could uh, make a, a significant contribution um, to his fund. So it, we, I taught the Pilates animals workout that I did for kids. And when was this? When was this? Um, this was, it was either October 2020, I think it was October 2020 when I did the benefit class. And then it was probably around February 2021 when someone reported it and uh, had it taken down. What are they, I don't understand. What are they reporting actually? Well, I believe this person used that image in a calendar that he sold even though that was decades after Joe published it in the the instructions for his junior reformer. And the problem with social media, which is why I'm also putting all of my archives on my website, is that they do not investigate. Anybody could, I, I believe this is how it's done, that you just contest, like you say, I'm reporting this post because I own this image or this film. And I don't even think you have to provide the copyright number. And if you do, maybe they don't even investigate that. And so I had no choice. There was no way or method for me to, to protest this unless I wanted to get into a very toxic situation where I would have to do this legally. And, and so, but, but for me, I would have to say that was the point where the line had been crossed with me. And so I felt I was, wait, 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 let me just, let me just stop you. I'm trying to process this event that happened to it's you. It's hard. Yes. So you were offering, was it a donation based yes, class? Yes, it was one class. Was it, it was a donation based yeah. class that you were going to take all the mm -hmm. proceeds and donate to this fund yes, in in, honor. in the name uh, in honor of this your student. young uh, student who passed mm -hmm. away. So you used this particular photo of the junior the junior reformer, reformer with, with a sweet little boy, mm -hmm. and so instead of looking at the full intention of what you were doing, they this person saw. Uh, the photo, and then that's when stuff happened. They didn't. They didn't yes. look at the fact that you are doing a donation class. Is to give. Well, who knows? Maybe they did. I. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe this person looked at the photo and said, "I. I've convinced myself that I own this photo because I published it in a calendar." What I've learned since then is that, and I believe this to be true, but I'm not a lawyer, is that. When you have a copyright for a calendar you produce, the copyright is only for the, the compilation of photos in that calendar, not the individual photos. So perhaps I, I think I would have been violating that person's copyright of the calendar if I had taken all 12 photos, put them in that same order. Perhaps that would have been a violation, but I was taking an individual photo, a photo that Joe had used decades prior. So in my mind, it seemed like it made sense. I felt like the laws and the facts were on my side, but I just, I was shocked because I, I have no way of knowing if this person just looked at the photo 
or if they actually looked at the the caption, which was very clear. And I don't see how it could have been uh, overlooked. So, and, and to have had that reported, it, it just, to me, it goes beyond Pilates. It's, it's way more important. This is about a child's life, a child's legacy, a child who left this earth too soon. Um, and it, 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 to me, it's something that you just don't touch. And the fact that someone touched it, and it was so personal to me because he was more than a student. He was my daughter's class, my classmate. He was my son's, one of my son's best friends. He was our neighbor. It was so personal to me that I knew then and there I was going to do something. I just didn't know what it was going to be, but I knew. Oh, that's the driving force. That was my motivation. So when people say, my gosh, I mean, how do you have time for this? I don't have time. Like you said, I am in a 12 plus months of living and working through renovation finally after an 18 year wait so that my kids can get their own rooms and i i've got my own business and i've got all my animals and my kids are very busy with their after school activities i do not have time for this project i am making time for this project i don't want to lose time from what what from my kids lives so I am up into the wee hours of the night, studying, researching, writing, um, filming. I mean, it's not uncommon that I'm videotaping these exercises in my studio at midnight, that I'm up till two in the morning writing out the captions. It is extremely time consuming and I definitely have permanent eye circles that I did not have at the start. <laughs> so, um, but it, it, there, there will have to be a finishing point to this. And sometimes I'm pushing myself so hard. Early on, I thought to myself, I really need to figure out when is this going to be done? Because I can't keep at this pace for, for so long. And so I said to myself, okay, I'm going to give myself one year every week. I'm going to be, work. I mean, every single day working on it, every week uh, filming one, at least once a week, multiple exercises or various times throughout the week. And so I did that. I got all the exercises I wanted to get within that year. I still have a, a reserve of over 100 videos I have yet to post from that first year of, of. Where do you find all of the documentation and all the footage and the photographs? Well, we have a wonderful Pilates community and it's our Pilates underground. So mm. <laughs> unfortunately, I'd love I'd love to see the day where we can share the work publicly. That's but unbelievable. I, I have a lot of people who who are appreciative of what I'm doing. And if 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 we can't share it publicly, but we want to find a way to discuss it publicly, I am going to be like the um the vessel. I'm going to I'm going to demonstrate it to the best of my ability and I I'm hard on myself. I I I sometimes can spend a minimum of half an hour on one exercise videotaping it and then I understand. You no, know, you're a perfectionist I can tell as well. So so it's difficult. And now as I'm, you know, taking these videos and organizing them, preparing them for the website, I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, well, I could have done that better. So then I go back and I re re videotape it. And sometimes oh it is God. better. And sometimes I realize I really can't do that better. Like that's as good as I can do with my body at this moment. So it's, it's very, it's very interesting to see how far I'm able to push my, my own body and how I can use my will. Sometimes I'm so frustrated that I'm literally like, I 
this may sound a little unhealthy, but sometimes I, I push myself <laughs> to tears. Like I'm in there and I'm trying mm -hmm. something so often. And I like, I, I just like, I lose it. I'm just so frustrated. Mm -hmm. and, and I think to myself, but all of your heart, all of your hard work is paying off and it will continue to pay off. I, I hope so, because, you know, now I think it's become something that's more than just the exercises. And, you know, yes. this is a lifestyle that Joseph Pilates wanted us to have. Yes. I've even done videos where I'm using the dry brush or using a towel as if I've just, you know, come out of the shower or using my hands. You know, the way that he he documented all of these other things as well as exercise. That most people do not know about. They're not aware. Right. Because they're on films that we're not able to share freely or we're self-censoring because because we don't want, we fear the repercussions and we don't want to fear losing our Instagram accounts. I was lucky enough not to lose mine, but I have colleagues who had their whole accounts deleted because they've tried to share the history. Mm. Okay. <laughs> oh, there's so many things I want to say, but I would just uh, suggest that at some point when all of your work now is transitions to your website you have full control over your website is that correct well i don't consider that to be the case because if somebody wants to sue you they can sue you and it doesn't matter if i were to have my lawyers telling me christina all the laws and the facts are on your side but it's going to probably cost you a hundred thousand dollars or more to fight this in court i don't want to waste my time with that so i I make it a rule that I don't share any archival image or film footage that I think that this, I guess it's a pair of people, I would say, that kind of feel like they're, they're kind of gatekeeping. They, you know, they consider themselves the source, the educators that, that have the only these primary source documents. But a lot of us, I'm discovering a lot of people have these these documents and archives. Oh, that's interesting. It's so it's an it's amazing how many people have reached out to me and it's the generosity and I think the thing is this if 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 someone thinks that an exercise or a group of exercises that are lesser known is going to make them stand out in the crowd and make them a better teacher, they totally don't understand what teaching is about. It has nothing to do with, I, I could go the rest of my life just teaching everything I learned from Romana, not a single archival exercise, and still inspire my students and make them feel and look better and have, uh, you know, and, and add some value to their lives. Uh, it has nothing to do with these exercises. It's something that enriches the work, but I still have to take the time to study it to feel it in my own body, to learn how to articulate it to my students with my verbal cues, with my hands. And, and so to me, when, when we see uh, people trying to, to, to claim that they're sharing it openly when really, and there's nothing wrong with charging people for your time, but I've chosen to make it open in the truest sense where, you're not gonna to have to pay a dime to look at my archives on my social media page or on my website, which is costing me a lot of dimes to create and a lot of time. Yes. Um, and and I'm not, you know, I don't have this, you know, financial cushion, but it's, there's a motivation there that comes, I guess, from that moment where I had that, that one 
image reported that I was going to do everything I can to openly share the work. No one has to sign a non-disclosure agreement because it's Joe's work. It's not their work. It's only, it's Joe and Clara. Those are the two people I think who can claim ownership of this work. And we're lucky enough to have these careers thanks to them. Definitely. So honor that and what I've learned. So yeah, I don't want people to sign applications that I have to approve before they can access my website. No, they, whether they can like me, they could dislike me, but if they want to see these exercises, they are welcome to. That's beautiful, Christina. We'll see who, who uh, finishes the race, right? Yeah, I, I think at this point, now it's beyond the year mark and as i'm going through these videos and looking at the archival films i'm seeing well i forgot to videotape that one i forgot to videotape that i see that there is still more it can be a work it's a continued work in progress which might give you more latitude on your own website and more ability to express without the the confines of the instagram platform Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you, during our pre-interview, you shared your tagline, or really it's your mission statement. It's become the change and share the work. And I'd like you to speak about this and give the teachers who are listening and or students or just enthusiasts um, something to take away that they can bring into their own hearts. Mm about about this work well um every single post that i've made has had the hashtag become the change followed by a little butterfly and uh, share the work um the butterfly a butterfly has a a lot of symbolism for many people for me especially very quickly i I actually have a tattoo of a swallowtail butterfly uh, between my shoulder blades and and it rests on a thistle flower Uh, The thistle flower has come to mean a lot to me, too, because I think it was in Scotland they were trying to to sneak up on, an army was trying to sneak up on them, and they took their shoes off, but they stepped on thistle flowers, and the thorns, you know, made them vocal, and so it's protection. So that thistle flower has been my protection as I try to, to share these things. That butterfly was very symbolic because, you know, I'm an animal person, and my first chihuahua that I had personally she lived to um, almost 19 years and I had to go, we had to go with our son to um, Coral Gables, I believe it was for a jujitsu tournament back in 2014. And my dog was a little delicate, but she had a pet sitter here and I was feeling uneasy and I was only gone for one night, two days, one night. And I came back and, and she died in my arms within an hour. And it was shocking, even though she was older because that, It was not the condition I left her in. But when I left her that day before this trip, I was sitting on the floor and I looked out on the back porch and I saw this um, little butterfly habitat that I had set up and I had had a swallowtail uh, chrysalis in there and it was taking forever to to open and so i saw the butterfly finally came out of the chrysalis that day that i gave her the kiss goodbye and then when we went to bury her the day after we came home that i know it was the same one was was circling above and so that's been kind of like she's 
that's the spirit animal. That's kind of like a little guardian. Like I've got my grandmother as a guardian angel and I've got my little Paquita because, you know, I was turning 40 that year. She died exactly a year after Romana passed away, which I thought was significant. She was with me for half of my life. Uh, from dancing to becoming a professional, living in an apartment, moving to a home, being single, getting married, having children. She was there through all of it. So become the change also is paying homage to to this little little being that was by my side for a very long time. And I think that we need to become something different. I felt in the beginning, I was trying to share a uh, artwork with inspired by around the clock which is the double leg stretch where you're curled in a little ball and then you're stretching your legs with your arms glued to your sides and uh, I was also told that I couldn't even share what I felt was not even a derivative of the of the original image I don't think that 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 belongs to anyone I believe that it's public domain but I just put it aside that artwork because I didn't want to deal with with the toxicity of it but curling in a ball like being in this little chrysalis, uh, I felt like I was trapped. Felt like I was like a fly stuck in a uh, spider web of sorts. So this project was the change I needed. It gave me my voice. It gave me my wings. So what your butterfly I want wings. To yeah, so I want to encourage people um, now is we have an opportunity because one of our colleagues in Massachusetts has been sued and uh, for for sharing images, historic images, and um, she's being represented by the lawyers who represented Ken Endelman in the Pilates trademark lawsuit. And we have an opportunity now to find out one way or the other. Let's, let's, let's not just rely on what people say on their Instagram live videos. Let's see in a court of law where, where we have laws and facts and judges and lawyers. Let's find out once and for all if these images, which may be part of someone's personal collection, does that also mean that they also have the rights to the images? Because I believe that there is a difference between owning something and having the rights to something. Like yesterday, we were finally able to put up our TV. And the TV is a, is a I, I've been excited about this TV because you can have artwork on it. It's a, it's a Samsung frame, the frame, I think it's called. And so right now I have a Monet over my fireplace. It's on my TV. I love it. And if I even had an original one hanging on my wall, that'd be a great part of my personal collection, but it doesn't mean that I have the rights to Monet's work. So I think there has to be some clarification. And I think that there are all, always these two sides to the story and, and that's fine. But I think to put an end to it, I think we all have to become part of this change and maybe consider donating to the GoFundMe that's been set up to help our colleague Mary Kelly of True Pilates Boston and see if in helping her we can help all of us because what happened to her could have been me and it could have been you and it could have been any Pilates teacher who at any point in their career ever put an archival photo. I just happened to get on the radar. Mary happened to get on the radar of this person. There are a lot of people who go under the radar but you never know. You never know when it, I, I have encountered people in Spain and in Brazil, 
all over the world who have encountered issues trying to share it. Um, so becoming the change is not just just watching this and eating your popcorn and seeing how it plays out. It's actually becoming part of the change by getting yourself involved by by you know deciding okay I want to I want to support this colleague of ours who was doing what's the name of the GoFundMe page I have the link in my bios for both Godard Pilates Instagram and also Open Access Pilates Archives Instagram so I'm not I'm not recalling the name of it right now but you can find it there's also an account called the Pilates Transparency Project and that is also another place where you can find information about what's going on with Mary's case um, they, they're posting weekly two to three times what is her last name Mary Mary Kelly Mary Kelly. Okay. I think Mary, I don't want to speak for her, but I don't think she wants this to be about her. I think she wants people to realize that this is about us. She happens to be the person who is putting her name on the moment. line, but, but it could have been any one of us. And then sharing the work is basically what I described earlier, like sharing it openly. You know, one of the, the things that, uh, I think I had two jaw dropping moments in this whole experience. One was the picture of the young boy on Joe that I used for a benefit class for, for something that was very personal um, and very, I think, that goes beyond this issue and shouldn't have been touched. But the other was when I started this project, um, the this, this same person who was, you know, him and his partner, they actually used the domain open access Pilates archive singular.com and they linked it to his website that on that website the page linked to his list of historical Pilates articles and from there it linked to his partner's page where you could read the articles since then they changed it so now it links to a page on his website as far as I remember it unless he's changed it since then where you have some some um, historical articles or photos of exercises that came prior to Pilates. Um, and I could go on and on, there's more to the story than that. But I, I think that to me, when when you when you go when you go to those types of, of, of websites and they're they're basically piggybacking on the work that I have tirelessly tirelessly done. Fortunately, my husband had already picked up the domain openaccesspilatesarchives.com and that is what people will be going to to see the archive on my website when it's ready. Um, right now it's just linking to the Instagram page. And your Instagram page again is? It's it's Open Access Pilates Archives and there is, but it's not a hyphen, but the one that's lower, <laughs> a little dash, but the one that's lower. Underscore. Underscore, yes, sorry. So open underscore access. So it's open access Pilates archives with underscore between each word. And then what I also do, which also is time consuming, but I, I create backup accounts just in case. So I always double post. And so I keep a private account for both my business page, Godar Pilates and That's for smart. Access. So I that way, you know, I have all of the videos and, and, and everything that I've done. But what's also extremely time consuming are the captions that I write and the details and the observations. And it's not that I have the answers, but I'm openly asking questions many times. And part of the, th the, the response that I get 
from people is not always, oh, thank you. And, you know, we're grateful for the details. But it, additionally, it might be, oh, well, I learned that exercise from Bruce King, or I studied with Corolla, and this is what she thought. And I'm learning from these people who had firsthand experience. That's wonderful. Yeah. So it's, it's a real- That is wonderful. So that's something that I wouldn't necessarily get on my website. So I'm grateful to have that aspect of it on social media. And, and so, yes, yeah, so share the work is basically like, the true genuine sense of openly sharing and becoming the change is like get get up off your seat get out there see what's going on uh don't be a passive observer like it like for pilates like if if romana if we raised our hands and we had a question romana would never just simply answer you and give you the exactly. question exactly you, you basically had she brought you up there yeah. yes to get up there and, and do it like get up off your butt and do it get involved and you become you change because you're doing it and so th that's what i want to inspire people to do and i realize that it's not for everybody. A lot of people find the situation in general to be toxic. And the fact that I have taken a stance and that I have become an advocate for, um, you know, for this, this lawsuit with Mary, for Mary, definitely people will have opinions about me uh, one way or the other. And that's something I've also taken from this project is that I, I can only bring a horse to water. I can't make them drink. And, and maybe even after sharing a lot of these things, people will still have their own opinions. And there's nothing I can do, nothing I can do about that. But I that's fine, Christina, you're doing an amazing job. And if anyone wants to take a class with you, as I did when I was in Sarasota, and it was fabulous. And I learned a lot in that one hour. If someone wants to take a, a lesson with you, do they just go to your website? Yes, the best method of contact is my email which is gadarpilates at gmail.com. Right now, I am so busy with this project and this renovation that I am not taking on too many new clients. It's very time consuming, but I, I definitely see a light at the end of the tunnel where I will be able to, to um, add more hours to my work day so that I can accommodate more people. Um, right now, I'm just trying to find some sense balance. of balance. But yes, um, that that's that's been really lovely to have. You know, my studio has even transformed sure. with this, as you saw. You know, I, I have that guillotine. I never thought I would have so brilliant. a guillotine in my it's, yes. The two hundred square foot space. It was a carport, and we knocked the attic out. It's modest space, and I adore it. And I have found a way to document all of these exercises in in this small space and. The other thing that was really stressful was it was um, May 25th to 20, 2021 when I did my first post for open access. That's when I officially launched it publicly. And then June 25th, a month later, we tore down the dilapidated part of our house. And so a month later, we were getting water seeping into my studio. We could not seal it off. So eight times when we had major rain, that hallway where you saw I have my guillotine set up at the end of it, it was just, we were mopping it up with every towel we had in our house. And consequently, we had to wait a long time until they roofed it in and until I could find a wood flooring that could come to a somewhat of a similar appearance and get that all installed. So for eight months of filming, 
I had my guillotine, 11 foot apparatus lying on the floor of that 200 square foot space. And so I wasn't just taking a lot of energy filming, but I had to move Walk. the guillotine back and forth. An oh obstacle course. Yes, we had to create different angles to film from and I had to move equipment around a lot. I look back and I think, I can't believe I did all that. Like, how did I do it? Because but you're, 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 you are operating from your heart and the heart has no limit. Christina, we have run out of time and I would love for you to come back and speak more about this amazing project, Open Access Pilates Archives, because I'm sure there's going to be some updates and more information that you can share with us. So thank you, thank yes. you so much for your time today. Thank you. I'm really grateful for the time and for you giving me an opportunity to share my voice. All Things Pilates is produced, edited, and hosted by me, Darian Gold. Mastered audio mix by Fabian Romero. Theme music, Soul Blues Piano Shuffle by Boom Zoom. Back in 2017, I hosted a live Pilates radio show, and one of my main questions was always, is it possible that classical and contemporary approaches to Joe's teachings can coexist? For those of you old enough to remember the TV show The Odd Couple, one roommate is a slob, smokes cigars and curses, while the other roommate is impeccable, not only in his personal habits, but in speech as well. In each episode, the TV viewer watches how these two roommates respond to each other as they get entangled in various situations. Basically, they usually want to wring each other's neck, but somehow they continue to live together. There is so much passion in our community, and that's a good thing. Actually, it's a great thing. But if we want to keep motivating and inspiring, no matter if we embrace Joe's Contrology, or Pilates-inspired, or Pilates-based, or just sort of Pilates, wouldn't it be helpful to accept that there are different Pilates approaches and be okay with that? As always, I remain in awe of Joe's work, and I look forward to being with you again in a couple of weeks for another episode of All Things Pilates. <laughs>